2: So we do like really crazy things to try, you know, driven by this discontent, you know, and then the hope is, oh, if I climb Mount Everest, you know, then I'll be, then, then my life will be complete. No, I won't. No, I won't. You might get frostbite and lose some toes and fingers, but you will definitely not feel complete when you come off Everest. Because feeling complete requires you to bring your awareness inside, to reconnect that disconnection that is inside nothing on the outside will ever do you know so you're going to get your three days of yay 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 and then you get and then i didn't do it and then as you think oh well maybe i didn't think big enough or maybe i thought in the wrong direction then you come up with another project and then you hope that that's going to do it and it will not do it why not because it's completely clear to those who know, and to those who take the journey, that in order to get rid of the discontent that comes from a disconnection from ourselves, we have to bring our awareness inside and reconnect. And the starting point is the heartache. The seven chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body from the base of the spine to the crown of the head for thousands of years. This ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers and could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to my 7 chakras and now your host Aditya Jai Kumar.
3: What's up, Action Tribe? AJ here, host and founder of My Seven Chakras, My7Chakras.com, the show where we help you calm your mind, relax your nervous system, and experience the joy of being alive. In today's episode, I chat with the one and only Udo Erasmus about what it takes to experience health and vitality at every level of our being, as well as factors and habits and perspectives that might be holding us back from experiencing our most vibrant, energetic and inspired life. So if you like these topics and if you'd like to support our efforts, then consider your part, yourself part of the Action Tribe Army and make sure that you hit the subscribe button and share this episode with a friend because Firstly, if you don't subscribe, you will not get the future episodes that we've got in store for you. And by sharing this episode, you make a difference in somebody's life who might be yearning for this kind of information. Now, before we start our episode for today, I'd like to read out a wonderful review by one of our listeners named LK Jensen. She's written a review on iTunes and she or he says, take your spiritual higher self to a new level. This is an excellent podcast for those looking to tap into their higher self or take themselves to the next level. Very inspirational and uplifting. You will love this podcast. So just like J.K. Zenzen, if you'd like uh, us to read out your review as well, make sure you take a few minutes to write us a review because that helps us a lot on iTunes or some other platform as well. And with that being said, and with that being said, let's bring on our guest for today, Udo Erasmus. The legendary Udo Erasmus is the co-founder of Udo's Choice Line, which can be found in Whole Foods and other health food stores worldwide. Udo designed the machinery for making oils with health in mind and pioneered flax oil, a billion dollar industry. However, Udo walked a difficult path to become the man he is today. Being a child of war, Udo's life began with intense struggle. As an adult, he got pesticide poisoning in 1980, leaving doctors at a loss regarding treatment. Deciding to take his health into his own hands, Udo began researching and his discoveries led him to a passion for finding the answers to life's big questions, which could hopefully one day bring him and the world peace. And today, Udo is an accomplished speaker and author of many books, including the best-selling Fats That Heal Fats That Kill, which has sold over 250,000 copies. He teaches at events hosted by Tony Robbins and Deepak Chopra, who I'm sure every one of you have heard of, has keynoted an international brain health conference and has traveled to over 30 countries to conduct thousands of live presentations, media interviews, and staff trainings, impacting more than 25 million lives, which is message on oils, health, Uh, peace, nature, and human nature. So welcome to the show, Udo. It's so great to have you here.
2: uh, Thank you. Thank you for that introduction. It sounds like a very impressive guy.
3: Yes, absolutely.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But it's it's almost like they're talking about somebody else. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah 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 well yeah. uh the subject of self itself is so vast and huge right i mean we can talk for hours yeah. and hours and yeah. as you wonderfully uh, you know put in your book as well you go into depths about the uh helping the readers inquire into the true nature of self mm-hmm. uh, but before going to those into those profound topics let's ta- let's start with something very simple where were you born and uh, brought yeah. up
2: i was born in Poland in 1942, during the Second World War, when it was part of Germany. And my parents had left Latvia and, and Estonia, where they were born, because the communists started moving to take over Latvia. And they liked, they loved Russian people and they hated communism, because communists took everything away from everybody. And so they, they, uh, and, and, uh. They had a, there was a a pact, a political pact that um, that was signed by Hitler and, and Stalin and for, it's a non-aggression pact and for signing that pact, Latvia went to, to Stalin and that a part of Poland went to Hitler, but there was nobody from Latvia or Poland at the meeting. They just took it so, so because they could, because they were big. That was like the Second World War, before the Second World War, I think that was 1938. So my parents then left Latvia because they didn't wanna be under communism and ended up, because they had German-Swedish background, ended up in, in uh, Germany. So my birth certificate says Germany, but it's actually now part of Poland. So, and we were, uh, when the war ended in 1945 in winter, we were refugees fleeing on dirt roads in horse-drawn hay wagons, mostly mothers with young children, men were all off at war or somewhere else or dead. And uh, so the communists were chasing us in tanks and trucks and there there was no military presence on the roads, lots of dead horses and dead people in the ditches. And the allies, you know, the good guys, you know, the good guys, the allies, they were using us refugees as target practice, shooting at us from planes. So when, when people start saying, oh yeah, my side of the war is the right side, you know, uh, I think both sides are, are on the wrong side. And so we, so we basically, um, it was he- very hectic. I don't remember a lot other than fear, no trust, no safety, hunger, uh, chaos, anxiety, that kind of stuff. And eventually I got left behind because my mother had six children with her and she could only handle two. She got off the roads cuz they were being shot at and decided to go through the fields, so she had to leave four kids behind. And uh, I can't imagine what it's like for a mother to have to make that kind of a decision. And then eventually we I ended up in an orphanage and then eventually we got reunited. So so and And I was, as a kid, I was very, very shy, very shy, never felt safe. I read a lot of books because books were safe. You know, you can read about a war in a book, but there are no bullets flying, right? And so I I did a lot of learning. And when I was six years old, I was in Germany, and I listened to adults argue about things that I thought were really trivial as a six-year-old. And the thought came to me, it's like, there must be a way that people can live in harmony. And then this next thought, I'm going to find out how, you know, like a six-year-old, I didn't know how complicated everything is. Oh, yeah, I'm going to find out how people can live in harmony. And that's been my driver all my life. So it got me into science when it came to getting educated uh, to find out how things work. And then it got me into biosciences to figure out how creatures work. And then I got into psychology to figure out how thinking works. And then I got into medicine because I wanted to know how health works. But in medicine, you don't learn about health, you learn about disease. So I only lasted a year and I went back into biosciences, ended up in biochemistry and genetics. And by the time I had spent pretty close to eight years in university studies, uh, just short of my master's degree in genetics, I said, no, there's still something missing, and I'm not finding it at university. And so I left university and then got into traveling, looking around, because I, I, I lived a pretty sheltered life as a kid and got into psychedelics for a while. and But there was still something missing. And eventually, I, it, it, I, I realized when my son was born, oh, what I'm looking for outside is actually inside. Because my son was incredibly beautiful. He was like, we called him the rosebud prince. And he would just be lying there and he'd be in such peace. The rosebud prince, right? Mm. But in fact, how how much love I had for the the child. And how much peace I saw in the child. I didn't have peace in myself. Mm. And I realized when that happened that, oh, what's missing is something that I need to look for inside. Mm. Not outside. And that's been a recurring theme. So eventually, I met somebody who said, the peace that you search for in the world, that was a big thing for me because I came out of the war. I was very interested in how there could be peace. The peace you look for in the world is within you. And I can show you how to connect with that. And he was 14 years old, and I was 30. And I thought, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what's a 14-year-old going to teach me? I'm 30. I've been around arrogance i would call it now skepticism for sure right and then and then i thought well i better check it out because in case he can i wouldn't want to miss it but if he can't i'll just keep looking and so then i i was taught a method for bringing awareness inside and i thought it was too simple and it's sort of like we we thought well we we made it to the moon finally that was really complicated we haven't made it to peace yet, so peace must be even more complicated than going to the moon, right? This is my logical thought, thought process, right? Yeah. But then I thought, okay, I promised I would give it a, tr- a fair chance. He didn't say what that meant. I said, okay, I'll try it for six months because I said I would. And if I notice a difference, I'll keep doing it. And if I don't notice difference, I'll keep looking. My my wife and I, my Ex-wife and I were had a had a baby, baby was four months. This is the rosebud prince. We used to argue every day. I wanted her to to agree with me. She never agreed with me. Anytime I said just a sentence, she would take the opposite view and start arguing with me. And I could Mm. never figure out why. And but but it would get really heated, and then I'd get really angry, and I it was like, I'm gonna hit her or I need to leave the house. So I would leave the house and go in the woods, we were living at 9,100 feet elevation in, in Colorado at the time, I would walk out of the house, sit down on a, on a log somewhere, and start doing the practice for maybe five or 10 minutes. And by the time I'd just done that for five or 10 minutes, I'd be looking and say, we argued about that? That was so trivial. Why, 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 why would I even argue about that? And so I started to realize that if I did my practice of getting more settled inside before the argument, then I wouldn't rise to the bait. And so by the time six months were up, I said, yeah, this works. And so I've been doing it for almost 50 years now. Different ways of finding, finding getting present inside the space that my body occupies, because that's where all the goodies are that we look for outside in the world. And whether it's peace or you want unconditional love or you want joy or you want insight or you want to to uh, beauty, all of it is is built into us from the beginning. It's just that our focus wanders, the focus of our awareness wanders off and then we miss it. You know, it's just like if you if you look for money in your right pocket, but your money is all in your left pocket, you put your hand in your right pocket and you say I'm broke. You could have a million dollars in your left pocket, right? It's like, if you want what, whatever you want, you have to look for it, for it where it actually is. And when it comes to peace and, and, and love and f- fulfillment and wholeness, they're built into us and we have to connect to them inside. That's a
3: That's a part of a story. Well, thanks a lot. Uh, and uh, for explaining, you know, how things started for you. Mm-hmm. Um, when you were 10 years old, you arrived uh, from West Germany, right? To mm-hmm. Oliver BC. So yeah. What was uh, Canada like back then when you were 10 years well, old? Well, have- we sh- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, we we wore short
2: pants because that's, that's customer in Europe. Okay. And so people made fun of us <laughs> because it was, you know, we didn't know better. <laughs> and my parents were not that, that uh what do you say uh fashion savvy you know they were more from farming country and they just you know you the, your clothes were to keep you warm not to look good mm. right so was, everything was very practical very functional that way and because we were from germany they called us nazis mm. i didn't even know what that was when i was 10 uh <laughs> so you know i i figured it out later and uh you know, and then and then people in Canada resented us because we worked really hard, okay. whereas people who were living here kind of liked to take it easy, mm. and so often the people who came with nothing worked really hard to try and build something, mm-hmm. and then they got they got better sometimes than the people who who you know who who their neighbors were, so there mm-hmm. was always some issue with that. Um, I was the smallest kid in my family and the smallest kid in my school until grade nine. So I Mm -hmm. got bullied a lot. Yeah. Of course I was shy, so I wouldn't defend myself and, you know, I, you know, but, and then in grade nine, I, I grew really fast and then I became one of the biggest kids in the school. And then the bullying stopped. And I would, I would pretty much put up when people abused me. I would put up with it, put up with it, put up with it, put up with it. And I'd get to a point where I'd just go into a rage. And I would take, I, I, you know, I didn't do it often. But I I took a lot. And then when, I, when it was finally enough, I would flip people over my shoulders that were like <laughs> twice my size because I would be going into such a race. And the moment that I would do that, the bullying stopped interesting because bullies like to pick on people smaller than them because they don't want pain Mm. they they just want domination right yeah and and so the moment the moment comes when you can't dominate when they when they that they can't dominate you then then actually that you find out that they're actually pretty much cowards Mm -hmm. in their own lives and they're probably being bullied by people bigger than them often in the families by parents or Or, you know, there's lots of bullying goes
3: on in in raising children. Lots. And you also write that uh, my experience was that people were not reliable, Mm -hmm. trustworthy or protective. And that I was on my own. So what was going on in your mind at this stage of your life?
2: Uh, Uh, You know, I felt when I was 15, I remember having an experience where I was lying in bed and my whole body was filled with light and I didn't know what it was. And I didn't have any, you know, like nobody ever talked about that kind of stuff. But the realization I had is I, I realized that I'm not very social. I'm not very well connected socially, but there's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with me. That's what that's what I saw. But I had, you know, in social interactions, I remember one time I, I was, I was living on a farm and there was this Catholic kid there. And, and he, he was nine, I think I was probably six or seven. And we were going for a walk. And he said, out of the blue, he said, you know, I bet if you swear at God, he will punish you. Mm. So I'm thinking like a little six year old, I think, well, I've never had a problem with God. And so I sort of lifted my head up into the sky, right? Just like, like, (laughs) right? (laughs) And so I swore at God, right? And I did it quietly because I figured if I said it really loud and God took exception to it, then I would get punished really hard. So I I thought I'd test it out a little bit, but do it quietly so I only get less punishment, right? Mm -hmm. So after I did that, the kid came and beat me up. And he said, see, I told you God would punish you.
4: Mm, and, exactly.
2: uh, and my take home from that was God is okay, but you got to be careful with people. <laughs>
3: right. Interesting. And I've had,
2: and I've had other, other experiences like that with religious, with religious people. So, you mm. know, I, I, I think if you read the teachings of the masters, there's a mm. lot of wisdom in the teachings of the masters there's not always that kind of wisdom in the followers, in the people who claim to be followers of the masters. And so there's a distinction and I, I drew that distinction very early.
3: Now, at a certain point, uh, you enrolled in biological sciences. Yeah. So what, what did you find fascinating about this particular field out of all the others?
2: Well, well, I, <clears throat> well I, I, you, you have to say, look, you gotta be dead. Not to be fascinated by life, yeah, Yeah. right. Because everything that's alive—you look at the flowers and the changes and the and the leaves and the different colors and the different everything, you know—and how they move and what they do and what their habits are. To me, it was just so fascinating. Mm -hmm. But the biggest thing was I wanted to know what life is. Mm -hmm. That was my and biology means study of life. Mm -hmm. Well, what I found out in biology, I found a lot about uh, form and function. Mm. That's what they teach in biology, but we right. never ended up with life. In fact, I thought that we would have a beaker full of life, and I thought it would be liquid and shining. so mm. I had this imagination of it. Well, we never got that beaker, we never got to that beaker. in fact, if we started with a frog that was alive by the time we were done with it, the frog was dead, dead yeah and we had, and and maybe maybe uh, you know maybe there was a tracing on a drum from. Contracting a muscle mm. with electricity by ja- jazzing the nerve, right? Mm. But we didn't end up with so. So we so we got everything in biology except life,
4: mm.
2: form and function. I learned a lot. It was totally interesting anyway, but never got never got life. Then I went into psychology. Psychology study of soul.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, you did get soul in, in psychology. You get mental functioning and, yeah. and habits and, and ways of thinking. Mm-hmm. So then it was like, well, it's not there either. Then I thought health. No, then we only did disease. And I, and I left because I really wanted to know what, what life is, what mm-hmm. health is, what, um, you know, I guess even what God is, But although we weren't that religious, so we didn't put it in those terms. I, I just really wanted to know. And I spent all those years at university. And at the end of it, I still didn't know. And I said, okay, I guess what I'm looking for is not at university, which is why I left. Now, then, then I went outside. And uh, I, it, at that time, because it was 1960s, people were using psychedelics, right. not in science, but in the arts. In the yeah. arts faculty, they were, they were having psychedelic Journeys, trips, right? Yeah. And so I, I was worked in a neurological research lab, mm-hmm. and they had some Sandoz LSD. So the original LSD, Sandoz, mm-hmm. the pharmaceutical company made it. They had 144 ampules sample that mm-hmm. Sandoz had sent to people who were working with brain function.
3: Which year was this? This was 1964.
2: Oh, yeah. 1964. So I snitched six ampoules okay. you know, out of the back of the, of, the, of the sample, right? Yeah. And I took, uh, they were 100 micrograms. So like a very, very, very small dose. Okay. I took 60 micrograms and soaked it in a sugar cube because that's how they told us yeah. to take it. Right. And so I took the sugar cube with the 60 micrograms. Yeah. And I had two friends with me. One turned into an angel and the other one turned into a devil, okay. you know, in my, in my hallucination, in my experience of it. Mm. And I was rolling on the floor laughing and the tears were running down my cheeks
4: mm-hmm.
2: to Mozart music.
4: Mm.
2: And I was laughing in time to Mozart music. Mm. And this, it struck me as really funny that mm. everything that for so many years, like by this time I was uh, 1964. So I was uh, 22. Right. And I, it struck me as supremely funny that everything I had been so studiously looking for so seriously and studiously looking for the world was all inside of me. Mm -hmm. That's what I learned from the psychedelic experience. And I had asked somebody before I did it, I said, what is, what is LSD like? Mm -hmm. I looked at me and he said, well, if you haven't taken it, I can't explain it to you. <laughs> and if you have taken it, I don't need to explain it to you. Right. And, and then after I, I had that experience, mm. I really understood how totally honest and accurate his answer was. You cannot explain it to somebody if they haven't taken it, and you don't need to explain it to them if they have done it. And for me, that was a big door opener. It just blew open my, my, I was very tightly wound, you know, my shyness and all of that. That blew the door open for me. I said, oh, my God, there are so many different ways we could live. There are We have so many options. Anything is possible. And then it took me a few years to figure out how I wanted to live. But the fact that it opened the options, I never saw any of those options. Right for me so that was basically was the was the end of my my war shyness and my war drama and trauma Mm -hmm. you know and then but then i got to a point where i have done a few other a few more trips like that Mm -hmm. and i started getting burned out because you know and then i said well i'm not going to do any psychedelics for two years because they're not addicting so there's no withdrawal symptoms so that's not an issue i'm just going to you know, take care of my body because I only get one body I need to look after. It. And before the two years were up, I had learned how to do the inner practice, the self knowledge practice. That, uh, and, then, and so then I never went back to them because what I found out, well, I did actually a couple of times, but what I found out is that you get to uh, psychedelics will take you to a certain depth in your being. But they're physical. So physical is like gross. It's like, it's like, uh, it's not as subtle as your mind is. And it's definitely not as subtle as your life energy or your awareness is. So you can go deeper through, uh, through some internal stillness practice. And then when I try, when I, after I'd been doing that for a while, I, I uh, tried psychedelics one more time. And I realized it actually took me out of the depth that I had gotten to. And so I was never tempted to go back. There is something deeper than psychedelics can take you. In fact, there's something in us that's so deep that I've never seen the bottom of it. And even even after almost 50 years, I still have never seen the bottom of the beauty of my existence. know just as an experience not as a thought process but as an exist as an uh, as a as an experience and that experience is in every human being every human being and in fact in the trees and the flowers too
3: beautiful thanks uh thanks for sharing and it's interesting you you said that even after all these years you haven't yet gone to the bottom Mm -hmm. of it uh you know sometimes i'm on these facebook forums and. You know especially in spiritual forums people ask questions just this mm-hmm. morning somebody mm-hmm. asked a question about uh, consciousness and mm-hmm. from what i've learned in vedanta there are different levels of consciousness right you've got the waking state you've got the dream state um and then you've got the deep sleep state and mm-hmm. then you've got a fourth state right which, which is the turiya state the state that transcends all these three states and then she replied right. that she said that's great but it means you don't know uh, you're you're just quoting from vedanta so then mm-hmm. I replied and said, yes, the more I know, the more I realize how much I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it's, it's, it's like a bottomless pit. It's like an expansion. Yeah. And the more you expand, the more you yeah. realize, oh my God. But it,
2: and, and it's okay to quote from the Vedas. It's, oh, yeah,
3: it's exactly. But it's
2: not as good to experience it for yourself because the whole point of it is not yeah. to memorize the scriptures or to memorize other people's expressions of their inner experiences.
3: Exactly.
2: The whole point is to have your own. Makes to have your experience of your connection with the infinity of the universe or whatever, you've, however you've phrased that. Right? So, so yeah, yeah. so I, I've read quite a few of quite a few sp- sp- scriptures, but I'm always reading it from the perspective of what can I test here? Yeah. What can I do? And then what does my experience become? Because if it's not in my experience, I've just memorized something. And that's not enough. You know, very I want to, f- and, and actually my question, when I, when I went uh, through Christian, Christianity, because we weren't religious, my parents were very open. We said, when we started asking those questions, they wouldn't tell us what to think. They just would tell us, you, you have to figure that one out for yourself. Mm. Or sometimes people say, you know, you need to talk to yourself, your life and your God to figure out how you should live. And so they they didn't, they didn't beat us up into a belief system and they didn't beat us out of a belief system. They just left it open for us to do our own exploration of that and come to our own conclusions, which I think is the best possible way to go about it. Because I didn't come with, you know, uh, I didn't come with fears around it, I didn't come with emotional connections around it. I didn't come with impositions about it. So I just wanted to know. And I got to, so I started reading the New Testament,
4: mm-hmm. red
2: letter edition, red letter edition. Everything Jesus says is in red and everything anybody else says is in black. ink, mm. Right. Because I just wanted to know what the master had to say, because I had read in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Mm. And, and then it goes on. And then it says, and, and, the, and, and, and word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, full of grace and truth. Every time I say that, the hair goes up on the back of my neck. And when I read that, it was like, what did John experience that inspired him to write that? Because you can't mm. write poetry unless you're experiencing something.
3: So oh, it was an true.
2: expression of an experience he had. I said, I want to have that experience. I want to experience what John experienced that inspired him to that poetry. And if I can get to that experience, maybe I can write my own poetry about Mm. having the experience. And then pretty soon I got to a point where I said, you know, actually, why why should I stop at at John? I'd actually like to have the experience that Jesus had that made him able to heal, that inspired him to, to the Sermon on the Mount, you know, that that um that uh that made him so venerable that two hundred thousand or two t- two thousand years later people are still talking about it yeah and i said i i don't want to be the guy i just want to have the experience i want to know what that experience is because he's talking about something and then i had some really profound experiences of that uh that that we we can get into
3: Action Tribe, we're going to take a few moments to thank our sponsors because they are supporting us today. Action Tribe, every once in a while, you deserve to treat yourself because making food for yourself and even for the family can be stressful and time-consuming. That's why I'm trying out HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and amazing seasonal recipes delivered straight to your door. In fact, the folks at HelloFresh have sent me some meals which are in transit right now. So let me try saying these dishes out loud without my mouth watering. I'm getting farro and halloumi salad, smash burgers and garlicky chicken alfredo, which I am excited to try out. And they've got many other dishes to choose from, Greek kebabs, Pork stir fry, kadai paneer, crispy roasted salmon, barbecue chicken, roasted chickpea salad, and the list goes on. What am I looking forward to? Well, first of all, saving some time and stress in the kitchen. The recipes are easy to follow and quick to make with steps and pictures to guide me along the way. HelloFresh cuts out the stressful meal planning and the trips to the grocery store so that you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes or less, kaboom. They're flexible with customizable orders every week. You can add extra proteins and sides, change up the serving size when you have guests, so just double down on your favorite recipes so your box works harder for you. And HelloFresh also delivers pre-portioned ingredients so you're not overbuying, which is a challenge, right? And it's a burden on the planet as well, and your wallet. So why not gift your family this experience? Light up the candles, turn on the essential oil diffuser, put on your favorite clothes and your perfume, and stay at home for some nice family time. And as soon as I get my meals, I'm going to give you an update in terms of how I like these specific meals in a few weeks. Till then, go to hellofresh.com slash actiontribe14 and use code actiontribe14 for up to 14 free meals, including free shipping. Once again, visit their website, hellofresh.com slash actiontribe a-C-T-I-O-N-T-R-I-B-E-1-4 and use code ACTIONTRIBE, actiontribe 14 for up to 14 free meals, including free shipping. Stay tuned. And now back to our episode. A little later. <laughs> yeah, and speaking about experiences, you write in your book, Uh, My most useful investment in myself became making time for a committed practice of bringing my awareness into the feeling of life. And I got better at practicing uh, at this practice of self-knowledge. My constant heartache began to dissolve. So what did you realize? What was that epiphany you had that Mm -hmm. made your heartache go away? And what was that heartache that you were having?
2: Yeah. Okay. Okay. So in order to understand heartache, And heartache, everybody knows what that is. But we have lots of different names for it. Heartache, and it's like emptiness, restlessness, sorrow, sadness, grief, sometimes Mm -hmm. depression or hopelessness, for sure. Um, uh, Anxiety sometimes, um, fearfulness, confusion, um, blues, loneliness, longing yearning striving drivenness there's so many words for it, depending on what the trigger out is and it's a feeling that people feel in their chest mm-hmm. and it's uncomfortable and that feeling is also is is our driving force because when we do what we do in the world most of the time we have the conscious or unconscious hope that when we succeed, we will feel this will go away and we will feel okay again. Mm-hmm. We feel whole again, or whatever, whatever we have, whatever the word is that we have for it. And mm-hmm. the thing is, it never happens. Even if you have, a, even if you have a grand idea for a huge project and you spend twenty years working yeah. your buns off to to yeah. to accomplish it, yeah. And then what you what you get is okay, so we get it. They put a plaque on a. I knew a guy in the airport was named after him because <laughs> he, he st- built the whole airport, right. Yeah. With, I mean, with other people, but he was the, he was the, the, the guy who got it done. So they named the airport after him. So he, there's a plaque there. Right. Mm. But, and I said to him, let me tell how it, tell you how it went. Cause when he told me the story, he, he had read my book on fats and he said, I read something between the lines I wanted to meet with you. Yeah. And so I said, well, let me tell you how that went for you. You had to hope that when you succeeded, you would feel whole again. And then what happened is when you succeeded, you got your your perks. And for about three days, you said, wow, I did it, I did it, I did it, because you didn't know if you could do it when you started, right? Yeah. You hoped you'd pull it off, but you weren't sure because you hadn't done it yet. So you were excited for three days, and then you felt depressed. And he said, well, I wouldn't say depressed, but I felt let down. Mm. And why is that? Because you had hoped for wholeness from this external accomplishment. Mm. And, they, and your heartache or your letdown or your depression or whatever you call this thirst of the heart, heartache, right? Is actually comes from something completely different. It's an inner thing. Mm. So mm. how does that start? You have to talk about it. when you were in your mother's body. In your in the womb I call it the Buddha tank
3: because
2: I I just like the word the Buddha tank
3: right when mm-hmm. you
2: were in your mother's womb
3: like a were, floor chamber
2: yeah you were flo- yeah you were floating around kind of yeah. like in an isolation chamber you been yeah. floating around there was nothing to do there was nowhere to go everything was taken care of you had no words you had no culture you had no race you had no language Right. Your body was growing and it was relatively safe. So because there was no place to go, you were floating around in the tank. Your body was growing. You know, or you could say life was growing your body. And so your awareness was inside, inside your body, at rest in its source, in life or maybe a little deeper than that. Mm-hmm. And so you were present inside and there is light there. So enlightenment in Buddhism is just to go back to the state in the womb, because mm-hmm. we were all in that state. You know, All our meditations that we do and our self-knowledges that we do, we're trying to find our way back to being fully present inside, in the space that our body occupies. Because what happened at birth is we went out, we came out of the body, and now we had to deal with our environment, get to know the environment. We had to cry for our diaper change, and we had to cry for for uh, being cold or being tired or whatever the, our little needs were.
3: And yeah. then
2: we got then we got to learn language, and then you know then instead of just crying, they would say use your words to tell them so that we could tell them what we needed so that they could help us get what we needed. So in that whole process, our awareness had to go from inside, present, outside absence now to outside present and inside absence. And so we got disconnected from our inner, from our inner presence by the process of getting to know the world. And that's automatic for every human being. And it's automatic because it's important for survival because the moment something changes, you have to make, make sure, oh, is that, is that friend or foe or is it irrelevant? And then mm-hmm. you have to make a very quick assessment and then you have to respond depending on what your assessment is. And so we become good at that and every time something changes, it attracts our attention. That's why moving pictures are so, are so addicting, mm-hmm. right? So you keep just moving this and, you know, if you're on stage, you walk around along the stage. If you're in movement or you're doing gestures and all of that stuff, that attracts people's attention. Right. So uh, so we have to had to learn to do that. And our awareness ended up being present outside in the world of surfaces of things or in our mind, in our memories of those things. And absent from inside. And that is where heartache began. Heartache. And then when you look at what is heartache exactly, it originated from our disconnection from ourselves. And with it comes a discontent. And that is our driving force. And it's negative because we don't like the feeling. And the heartache is actually when when you're separated from the fact that maybe grandmother died or somebody betrayed your trust or... You know, your dog ran away or your girlfriend dumped you or your boyfriend dumped you. You know, that is not about the girlfriend or the dog or the, the grandmother or the betrayal. It's about you being disconnected from yourself and your heart is calling your awareness to come back home inside to its source in life, because that is where your wholeness is now i started feeling that when i was 17 because when you're drifting out you don't notice until something until something makes you notice trauma sometimes does that but this happens without trauma too it's not to trauma doesn't create the disconnection the drift of of our awareness the drift of the focus of awareness does and trauma makes us realize oh everything's not okay anymore And then a heartache begins. And when I was 17, I ran out of distractions because what we do with heartache most of the time, we don't like the feeling because it's intense and it's uncomfortable. Either we distract ourselves from it and there are a thousand distractions. You know, it could be books or it could be sex or it could be adventure or it could be making money or it could be walking barefoot across Antarctica or jumping out of a balloon from 120,000 feet up right or 120 uh not 120 thousand feet yeah 120 thousand feet um 37 oh no even higher than that some people 120 thousand meters up yeah right so it's like you know and then you jump out with a suit and then you go you know what a rush right and and and, and eventually your parachute opens and you slow it down right mm-hmm. so we do like really crazy things to trying, you know, driven by this discontent, you know, and then uh, the hope is, oh, if I climb Mount Everest, you know, then I'll be, then, then my life will be complete. No, it won't. No, I won't. You, you, you might get frostbite and lose some toes and, and fingers, but you will definitely not feel complete when you come off M- Everest because feeling complete requires you to bring your awareness inside to reconnect that disconnection that is inside. Nothing on the outside will ever do that, you know? So you're gonna get your three days of yay, yay, yay. And then you get, and then I didn't do it. And then as you think, oh, well, maybe I didn't think big enough, or maybe I thought in the wrong direction. Then you come up with another project. And then you hope that that's gonna do it and it will not do it. Why not? Because it's completely clear to those who know and to those who take the journey that in order to get rid of the discontent, That comes from a disconnection from ourselves. We have to bring our awareness inside and reconnect. And the starting point is the heartache. When you feel that, you know, most people say, oh, you know, distract yourself from it. Uh, Don't think about it. It'll just drive you crazy. That's what they told me when I couldn't couldn't shake it after 17 years old. Mm -hmm. And I had already been through a war and a lot of stuff. So I knew a lot of things weren't going to get me content because people in the war were not content and I met rich people and they were not content you know and I said well it's not money Money's not going to do that so I had been looking around and really looking so I knew it wasn't going to come from that but I didn't know what it would come from and this is like I was 17 so that was 1959 and 1959 I think was the year that Maharishi first came to North America but nobody had heard of him I never heard about him till I was till probably 1968, so nobody talked about this kind of stuff, right? And I couldn't shake it. So what I do now, what I say to people is, you know that that ache that you don't like, that you distract yourself from, that is your driving force, that is your call to come home, that is the beginning of your journey to, to come home, and that is your reminder whenever you drift again that ache is the greatest gift you've been given other than being alive because it's so powerful it's like it's like hunger for food or thirst for water heartache makes peace relevant heartache makes peace relevant heartache makes wholeness relevant heartache makes makes unconditional love relevant because that's what it, it is. It's your need for that. Your wholeness, your oneness, your presence, your, your being fully present in your own life. That's what, that's what that is. So what I say to people is when you feel it, really feel it, sit with it, become quiet. Let yourself feel it, you know, but do it, do it calmly. It's an intense feeling. Just experience the feeling. And uh, don't judge it. It's not going to hurt you. It's not going to kill you. It'll be there. Feel it. It brings you out of your head. And out of all of that, it brings you really close to your heart already. Because it's you feel it right here. So, so feel it. Accept it. Embrace it. Appreciate the power it has to bring you home and recognize this is your greatest gift other than being alive because if you never felt this ache, you would never find your way back home again after you after you, get lost in the world.
3: So Action Tribe, and, I hope you're able to listen right now and One of the reasons I'm sure many of our listeners are even listening to this episode is because they Mm -hmm. relate to the same feeling that you Mm -hmm. are sharing and talking about is that feeling Mm -hmm. of maybe that heartache or that sense of being feeling incomplete. And a lot of times we go and pursue external projects and we feel that it might be out there. Mm -hmm. But I think the point that you're trying to make over here is don't look for something without when all you need to do is Mm -hmm. go within. And if you haven't found that source of Completion yet that is all right yeah. because that that heartache yeah. is trying to is trying to communicate yeah, with yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: <laughs> your heartache is tra- is telling you that you need to do some homework, some work you yeah. do at home or work to come home, and yeah. it's joy and it's joy and it's incredibly beautiful
3: yeah. inside
2: of your being. is incredibly beautiful.
3: Now, Udo, one of the keys that you share in your book, um, Total Sexy Health is inspiration. And you're right, inspiration is an experience of awareness of life from which anything is possible. You say anything is possible. Mm -hmm. From Mm -hmm. inspiration, you imagine new possibilities into being inspired, you create thriving, inspired or energized by life, you create visions in your mind's eye, embody them for execution, and so manifest them into your world. Out of endless potential, you imagine into what being, what you can create, a happier, safer, and more comfortable situation. So- did I say all that? Yes. (laughs) I know. (laughs) And these are beautiful words, but what holds us back from really feeling this uh, sense of inspiration from within? Maybe not for a couple of seconds or minutes, maybe for more time. What keeps us, holds us back and keeps us in this mundane everyday experience?
2: Well, the answer is always because we haven't done our homework. Mm -hmm. Because inspiration- is Mm -hmm. is a state of being right just like unconditional love is a state of being just like awareness is a state of being built in no mental content just part of the deeper nature of human nature Mm
4: -hmm.
2: and so what if you the, the way I look at it is awareness is our foundation it's not only the foundation of my existence but it is also the foundation of the entire universe.
4: Mm -hmm.
2: And in fact, everything that's unfolding in the universe, including human wars, they take place in perfect peace, because perfect peace is everywhere as the foundation of everything. Now, that's funny to say, because you say, well, what do you mean? These guys are killing each other. How can they be in peace? No, no, right. The peace is there. The peace is within the warriors. The peace is between the warriors, around the warriors, above the warriors, below the warriors, everywhere. Mm-hmm. But the focus of the warriors is, you're my enemy. I'm going to kill you. And the other guy says, you're my enemy. I'm going to kill you. Mm-hmm. And so in, so in a place where there's peace everywhere, mm-hmm. we play our games depending on where the focus where we focus our awareness. And it's the freedom that we have. We have the freedom to focus awareness wherever we want to. It requires mm-hmm. nothing except learning to move focus. We're really good at moving it out. We're not good at moving it in. And it, this has to be done. This is automatic. And this has to be done deliberate. And mm-hmm. heartache is how close you get. If you sit with heartache, you can slip behind it less than a hair's breadth behind your heartache, is your wholeness. right? Wonderful. So, um, so you you go back to the question uh, that that you were asking.
3: Yeah, that that same state of uh, inspiration, which you oh, yeah. which you've uh, yeah. answered actually. Yeah. No. Is, so
2: just... so what happens is, the foundation is awareness, <clears throat> and the next level is unconditional love. What is unconditional love? Well, your life energy is actually solar energy, comes mm-hmm. from the sun, goes into green leaves, stimulates electrons, they then form bonds, the solar energy is stored in those bonds, and make molecules, mm-hmm. they become our food, we eat those foods, break down the molecules in our body, release that solar energy, there's our life, and it's flowing through us all the time. So that energy is our power. It is omnipresent in the body. It's omnipotent in the body,
4: mm-hmm. and
2: it's omniscient in the body. So it's all power, all knowledge, and all presence in the body.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: So that's your that's your power. And that energy is not only solar energy. It's also life energy. It's also uh It's also the master in your body because it runs the entire show, right? Mm -hmm. And it's the master that the master's talked about. And it is unconditional love. Mm -hmm. When you're in touch with that, you feel taken care of, you feel loved, you feel whole. And that energy that is unconditionally loving shines by its nature. And the shine of that life energy is inspiration. It's energy that's freed into the world. And it takes, you, it takes you out of your thinking ruts that come from all the habits you picked up over the years about how things are and what everything is. It frees you and makes it easy to imagine better things. And it's genius and it's creative and it's original and it's unique and it and it is the bridge between life and the and what we can do in the world that we live in so that inspiration is also a state of being and then what you do with it will depend on who you are what your talents are what your personality is like and the situation that you're living in and what and what you know and you can literally anything that's not working in the world is made better when you put that that kind of energy into it right and in fact uh master told me i had a meeting with the master as a mystical experience after i got treated very badly by some christians and i got very very confused and i really wanted to know and when you're really confused and desperate, want to know, then you become very sincere, right? And I had a I had a meeting with a ma- a master in the, in a light in a form of light,
4: mm-hmm. like
2: a human being made of light. That showed up during the middle of the night. When I because I, I was really confused and I, I really wanted to know, mm-hmm. and in I had no idea how I was going to know, but in the middle of the night I woke, woke bolt upright from dead asleep. Mm-hmm. And there was this being there and a message, but it embodied the message, no words, but I could put words to, the, to, to that being, what that embodied. And the words were, I am come not to judge, but to love. And the moment I got that message, my confusion and desperation totally evaporated. I have never had a question since then what was the what was the the central message of the master whether it was christ or whether it's buddha or whether it's Tzu or whether it's any of those and it not only is that the message of the master to the people it's all the also the message of life energy to your body it's also the message of the sun to the earth and it is also the message of my life to the world. And those are all the same. Solar energy, unconditional love, uh, uh, life energy, Mm -hmm. master. Those are all the same. And that is the message. And when you start looking at that, then you start looking around. Oh my God, that message is everywhere. That message is everywhere. That's what the world runs on. You know, if you, if you, if you take all the, the banks out of it, the finances, and let's think about money out of it. And uh, it's not like you, you know, it's not money is not running the world. Life is running the world. The sun is running the world. The energy of the sun is running the world. And the masters were people who spent time in stillness, connecting to that energy, and then spoke as that energy because that's who we actually all are.
3: Now, in speaking about the sun, because you've spoken about the sun, uh, yeah, you know, in a few examples, but yeah. uh, you say sunlight penetrates the human body and can be converted into useful energy. If no, we, no, no, it
2: goes it goes through plants.
3: Yeah, so you say it can solar be solar energy
2: goes into plants, is stored in the bonds between molecules. We eat those, yeah, and break them down. Yeah, and then that that solar energy is released, and that's what runs us. That's, yeah, and that's we who eat, we. And that's who we, in our essence, are.
3: Yeah, exactly. So you say if we eat enough greens, so which is which is the plants. So uh, maybe if you can talk about the connection between the greens, because whenever I have a green juice and I'm having it more right now mm-hmm. during the summer in Vancouver, because a couple of uh, days back we had this huge heat wave and it was so hot. Yeah, so, yeah. I was, I was having more of these you know, cold green drinks, but to your point, when I had these drinks, I felt an infusion of energy mm-hmm. in my cells. And it felt like I was being nourished by an energy that was mm-hmm. not uh, earthly, but it was coming directly from the sun. So that's sort of what you're implying mm-hmm. as well, right?
2: That way. Well, I'm not implying, I'm, I'm making it as a bold, <laughs> a, a bald faced statement. Okay. Yeah. And, and one of the reasons why eating raw foods makes more sense right. than eating cooked foods. Yeah you know, if they're not contaminated is because when you boil a food, you boil this, you boil some of the sunlight energy out of that food. Okay. Right. And then you collapse molecules and the molecules change. There is still some solar energy in, in other bonds that are stable to heat. Mm -hmm. But if you eat fresh whole raw organic, mostly plant-based, That's where your best health comes from, because you're getting the best input of solar energy that runs the entire show. And you're getting the molecules also in the shape in which solar energy created them. When you cook them and you fry them, you change their nature.
4: Mm.
2: And, you know, life's mandate for how creatures on the planet eat. Fresh, whole, raw, organic. And for people, mostly plant-based.
3: So just trying to understand over here uh, because wouldn't another person say that uh, humans made an evolutionary jump when they discovered the importance of cooking and being able to eat, you know, cooked food? Uh, and if that's the case, how much should we cook? How much should we not cook? Because I'm new to a lot of this, and I, I I don't eat a large proportion of my food uncooked. So, but I'm really fascinated because I'm eager to yeah. get okay. more of the raw, rich energy. So, what? what no, guidance so, you have?
2: okay. On? So, so I would say the short answer yeah. to your question, or to you know that we made an evolutionary jump into cooking. Yeah. The short answer to that—that's bullshit. Hmm. Okay. The what, what makes some sense yeah. is that if you live in a place that's contaminated, okay. then you have to cook the food to kill the bacteria that come from the contamination. Yeah. So what you're basically doing is you're, you're, you're picking the better of two evils, mm. right? Yeah. Either you eat contaminated raw food. That's right. good for vultures. They do it. They do it okay. They're set up for that. That's mm-hmm. not so good for us. So you so so you cook the food to get rid of the toxicity of the microorganisms. Yeah, that could be very bad for you. Could kill you. Yeah, right. And they and then you cook the food. This happened in China. Happened in India. Yeah, and you cook the food because that's the lesser of two evils. Oh, okay. So this is not you know. There's a story. From Greek mythology. Yeah. Kind of good story. Can I tell it? Yeah, of course. Okay. So uh, Prometheus. It's called the story of Prometheus. Prometheus. This is the story. Prometheus stole fire from the gods. Mm -hmm. And brought them to man. Because he wanted to help man. Yeah. And his intent was good. And Zeus, the head god, got really pissed off. And so he punished Prometheus for stealing fire from the gods. Mm-hmm. And so what he did was Prometheus got chained to a rock for eternity. Mm-hmm. And every day a vulture would come and peck out his liver. Oh. And he, every night his liver would regrow. And then the next day the, the eagle would come again and peck out his liver. Yeah. And when I read that story, I said, wow. That's pretty, you know, that's really, you know, and I'd already had this experience of I am come, not to judge, but to love, right? Yeah. And I thought, wow, that's pretty, that's pretty nasty from Zeus to to eternal punishment. So I was thinking, how could Prometheus get his sentence commuted?
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Right? How could you, how could he get it? Oh, very easy. Give fire back to the gods. So what is that story about? Toxicity. Liver deals with toxicity. Okay. So when he gave fire to the gods, uh, when he when he stole fire from the gods and gave it to people, they started cooking their food. Ah. And when they started cooking their food, they got more toxicity, and their liver has to deal with the toxicity. Okay. But then when they're sleeping, they're not eating. So the liver does some toxification, regrows, and the next day it starts over again. So you mm. give... You give fire back to the gods means you go back to eating raw foods. Okay. And that's how Prometheus gets out of his eternal punishment. But my question then was, how did the Greeks know way back when Mm -hmm. that the liver is affected? By cooked food. Mm -hmm. Ah. And then the other way around the cooked food issue is too, is certain, certain herbs and spices. Yeah and they're worldwide, great herbs and spices. India has some of the best spices on the planet. Yeah, Uh, Persia has some amazingly good ones, but you find them in Africa and you find them in Europe. So there are spices and herbs that help, uh, that improve your state if you're eating cooked foods, Mm -hmm. but it's still better to eat uncontaminated raw foods. But then it means your farming practice have to can't be sloppy, and Ah. have to clean up. You have to clean up the. You know, my view is we should be eating foods raw, and then we should cook our wastes, and Mm -hmm. put them back on the land because that's the topsoil. You know, what you poop into the toilet, is, parts of the plant, that you didn't digest and absorb. Right, and they are part of the topsoil. So what we're doing is we're flushing our topsoil into the ocean. Mm. So the topsoil is going to be really good at the bottom of the ocean. And our, our land is getting poorer and poorer quality. Okay. And, that's, and there's good research on that. So, so we should eat our food raw, cook our wastes, and put them back on the land. And that way you don't get the contamination of the land that requires people to cook their foods. Mm. Right? Yes, that's a completely different way of us thinking, but and it's a little bit more time-consuming, but it would be less energy-intensive because there's less waste than food because some of your food is absorbed,
4: mm-hmm. so
2: you would it would take less energy to clean up the the wastes than it does to cook them
3: in the to cook the food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely going to explore and look more into having a larger portion of my food raw and ensure that I'm cleaning it properly, that all the toxins are, you know. And and then then your question, how much should we eat raw and how much
2: cooked?
4: Yeah.
2: Go from where you are in the direction of more raw food. In nature, every creature that eats food, eats all its food, fresh, whole, raw, and organic. You never see a squirrel with a frying pan. You never (laughs) see a deer cooking, you know, cooking over a campfire. Mm -hmm. right they all just and they're eating it you know they're not even storing it there it's it's growing and they they eat it and away it goes yeah and processing of most more health problems come from processing than any other issue Mm -hmm. the worst ones are the oils because they're the most sensitive they have the highest amount of energy in them so i call them the god molecule Mm -hmm. right because they energy is god in in the way we're talking about it -hmm. and uh and they are the most easily damaged by light by oxygen by heat so more health problems come from damaged oils than any other part of nutrition Mm -hmm. and more health benefits come from making the oil change that your body needs to oils that are made with health in mind that are rich in omega-3 and 6 the essential nutrients that come from oils in the Mm -hmm. right ratio and packaged in glass because Plastic leaches into oils, and that's not good. That shouldn't end up in your body. Mm-hmm. And they're kept refrigerated, and they're not used for frying. You add them to food after the food comes off the heat. Mm-hmm. You can put them in cold, warm, and hot food, but never for frying because they're so, 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 so sensitive and so good for you when you don't damage.
3: Nice. I was hoping to explore and go more into oils and fats as well. But before that, you've also said that fresh, cold, flowing water from the mountain stream mm. below the glacier is sexy because it is healthy and makes you feel vibrant, mm. milky white, oxygen and mineral rich and micro clustered This water may even yeah. be alkaline, but fresh water does stay yeah. fresh for long. By yeah. the time that water, you know, reaches you, it's stale, it's old, it's dirty, it's chlorine, poisoned. So yeah. Uh, you talked to us about a little bit about the importance of having this water, because, you know, last year I went on a trek to Wedgemont Lake and you probably know this place where Uh, Wedgemont Lake is um, uh, beyond Squamish. It's, it's, it's a lake on top of the mountain where you get glacier fed water and water and that water was unlike anything that I tasted before. It was so nutritious. It was so tasty and I could have lots of water as opposed to normally. So talk to us about, You know, the the importance of water, especially if we have glacier-fed water, what it what does it do for us? (laughs) Yeah.
2: Well, you you have to think about it this way. First of all, your body is 70% water. Okay. Not only that, in your in every year, you drink about 12 times your body weight in water. 12 times your body weight. So a lot of water goes through your body. Mm -hmm. And if the water is one percent contaminated and the food you eat is 1% contaminated, you're going to get about 22 times more problems from the water than from the food, just Aww. because there's so much goes through the system. Yeah. And the idea that you can just take water from the glacier and then do anything you want to it, run it down rivers, drop your sewage into it, you know, um, uh, put it through pipes you know put mm-hmm. it through metal pipes or put it through plastic pipes or put it through cement pipes whatever you're doing mm-hmm. and then all you do is you run it through a factory and throw and and uh, put some chlorine in it which is poison to kill the bacteria that's a it's a good thing to kill the bacteria mm-hmm. but the, the glacier water when it's bubbling you know doesn't have all those microorganisms in it so mm-hmm. the idea that you can just do anything to water and that water will be just as good as it was when it came at the glacier is, is delusional, mm-hmm. right? Just like saying, oh, you know, you can take food the way it grows in nature and then you can do any kind of processing to it and then think it's still going to be good food for you. That's delusional. Mm-hmm. So what we now have to do, because we have this delusional system, we do a couple of things. We got It's not contaminated because water carried contamination it's killed lots of people cholera and typhoid and mm-hmm. problems like that so yep. they so the city will will make sure that the bugs are dead and then they they put some they put some minerals in the water they try to filter the water to some extent but then it goes from wherever the plant is it goes through maybe 10 10 miles of plastic uh, uh, pipes yeah or it comes out of your tap and that's not fresh water. That's different. Like if you compare, if yeah. you have a glass of water out of your tap and you have two, another glass that comes from the glacier. Way different. You know, and you taste the two of them. You know they're different. Right. right? So the question then becomes, and this is partly what people uh, people do and there's a whole, whole industry around it, a small industry, mm-hmm. is that how do you make water that comes out of your tap fresh and whole like it was at the glacier, right? and then what you do, you put it through a filter to take out the gunk, then you put it through electricity to, and you can separate alkaline water from acid water, and they have very different effects in your body, and you can microcluster it, it, uh, and that, that water is absorbed much more effectively, and it can be oxygen rich and hydrogen rich, and that also helps. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to create a little uh it's almost like a a duplicate of the the situation at the glacier right so, but you have to hook the machine to your tap mm-hmm. right and i have one of those in my on my tap and i used to hate drinking water even mm-hmm. though i was always constipated because i didn't drink enough water so i was always dehydrated right. yeah and i but i hated the, the taste of water when i drank this water it tasted sweet to me mm-hmm. and it's like oh my god i love drinking this water and i had run distilled water and I had done reverse osmosis water and I had done bottled water and I had done tap water and I had done just everything. And I was, I actually did a long study for about 10 years on all the different kinds of water. Mm -hmm. This water was amazing. Um, Mm -hmm. It's called Kangen Kangen water. Mm -hmm. And uh, I talk about it on my website if you, if you want to hear more about it, but uh, you know, but the fact that we have to do that to our water, It means like we live in the middle of contaminated water. The fact that we have to do this special thing on our tap is not the cure for the planet. The (laughs) cure for the planet is we need to get reconnected to our heart Mm -hmm. and begin to live and respect the rest of life on the planet and the soil that it grows on and everything we're here that is a gift to us. We need to begin to, to... teach it to to treat it with respect again
4: mm-hmm.
2: because it was given as a gift not to pollute but to, to sustain us right and that's a bigger yeah. job that's a much bigger job yeah. you know we yeah. we every every man woman and child would have to plant a thousand trees in order to get back to the 10 trillion trees that we had on this planet 10 years ago we've mm-hmm. taken three quarters of all the trees off the planet. And Mm -hmm. and they and you know we're talking about our heat wave in Vancouver, 104 degrees. Nobody Mm -hmm. has air conditioning. We were we were frying here.
3: You know, that's true.
2: But when it's hot, you go under, you go in the shade of a tree. Yeah. And it's really cool. Trees, Mm -hmm. cool hot weather and warm, cold weather. And we've removed three quarters of nature's way of doing that. And surprise, surprise, we have hotter summers and we have colder winters.
3: So plant more trees.
2: Plant more trees. You know, of all the things, like you want to do things for the environment, do less. Mm -hmm. Because we do so much destructive stuff. Do less, except for one thing, plant trees until they come out of your ears.
3: (laughs) So Udo, my question is, uh, obviously the name of your company, or maybe one of your companies is Udo's Choice, right? Yeah. How did you come up with that name? What's the story behind that?
2: Oh, I you know, I started uh, <laughs> when I got poisoned by pesticides. Yeah. That's a long story too. But I, I developed a method for making oils with health in mind when I found out how much damage to make to oils and how sensitive they are. And the fact that they're omega-3 and omega-6 are both essential and your body can't make them, you have to have them. If mm-hmm. you don't get enough, you die. If you, if you don't get, get enough long enough,
4: mm-hmm. then you
2: die. So this is like really important stuff. And I decided to make oils with health in mind because they're so sensitive. And mm-hmm. omega-3 is even more sensitive than omega-6. Okay. So we created a system where while the oil is, from the time the oil is in the seed, where it's protected, yep. while it's going through the pressing, the filtering, the settling, the filling,
4: mm-hmm.
2: until it's in a brown glass bottle, in a box, in the fridge, in the store, or in the factory, or at home. You keep it refrigerated. No light, no oxygen, no heat gets to the oil. That's what I developed. So It's a method for making oils with health in mind because a tablespoon of cooking oil Mm -hmm. will get you more than a million damaged molecules. If it's 1% damage, which is about what they get, 1% damage, more than a million damaged molecules for every one of your body's 60 trillion cells. So 60 quintillion damaged cells in a tablespoon of oil that is one percent damaged by the processing that is used to make oils. But that's before you throw it in the frying pan, and we use two to four tablespoons on average. Yeah. So a huge amount of damage
4: mm-hmm.
2: that affects physical health. So I said mm-hmm. when I when I was sick and I found that out, I knew the body's made out of food, water, air. And solar energy.
4: Yeah.
2: That's all, that's all the body's ever been made of in nature. That's no true. drugs. There's no no one has ever suffered from a drug deficiency. Right. And when you get that right, then you're going to get the best body that you can have, given what your genetic program is. So here's the here we we damaged all these things. I said, oh my God, I cannot get healthy on oils that are damaged and mm-hmm. that also still contain half of the pesticides that mm-hmm. were that were sprayed on it. I said, mm-hmm. oh, my God, I can't get health on those. healthy on those. We should make them with health in mind. Right. And then out of that came flax oil to bring the omega-3s back because 99% of the population does not get enough omega-3s and they're essential.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, and every cell needs them. And then the omega-6s are damaged, partially damaged. So I thought, let's make oils with health in mind. And I, de- I developed a method for doing that. That's really is my claim to fame. Mm-hmm. I, I constructed it in my head and then we had engineers make the parts for us and yeah. then we started making flaxseed oil and uh, that became a big hit because we created a buzz because when I realized we could help so many people mm-hmm. like 99% of the population would get yeah. better if they took oils made with health in mind I just, I, I, I went off like a firecracker I got so excited I said, oh my God, we could help so many people Which year was this? And this was um, 1983. 83, okay. Yeah. 1983, I got poisoned in 1980. 1981, I found out omega-3s are essential. Yeah. Um, So it was in, in around that time. And then it took us till 1986 to put the whole factory together and start making the oil.
4: Yeah. And then
2: I went on the road. I was on the road for six to nine months for 15 years. Running right in, in over thirty countries. We did a tour in the U.S. in 1988. Yeah, where we were in a van without air conditioning in the hottest months, July, yeah. August, yeah. half of September, half of June. Yeah, went to 85 cities. Um, uh, 101 days, hmm. 37 miles by road. No, no, 35 states, 17,000 miles by road, and we yeah. talked to everybody and created a buzz. And out of that buzz came that industry.
3: So here's and, my question. Because when you were a kid, you, as we started our interview, you said you were from a war-stricken place. You were a, quote-unquote, refugee. And you were very shy and introverted as a, as a child. But now you're yeah. demonstrating, you're sh- telling me that you you were a, 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 a wellness entrepreneur and you were doing this and that and going all over the places, meeting people, introducing your mm-hmm. concepts and ideas. Yeah. That's like a stark difference. Yeah. What happened what, to you? What, what changed? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Okay. So one I'm I so told interested. You. I want to you know, develop these qualities no, no, no. I,
2: I, and grow, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So one of them was the psychedelic trip. Okay. Because that blew the door open as for possibilities, but I was still shy. Yeah. And it was actually when i recognized you know i i had been like by the time 1980 1980 i was uh, 38 okay okay so now i'm in 40 early 40s yeah and i would always wondered what what you know what what do i want to do with my life what's worth doing and there were a lot of things i tried all kinds of blue collar jobs yep. i wanted to know what it was like to be in the shoes of the people who do those jobs so wow. i did uh, i did house building and I did painting jobs and I did, uh, uh, um, uh, logging mining. So I had jobs farming, you know, dairy farming, mixed farming, fruit farming. So Mm. I did, I had a lot of it and and I did fishing and, uh, although not commercially, but so I, so, and I would always, and it wasn't because I wanted to work in those trades forever. I wanted to learn what it was like. It was like a school because you learn a lot in the first 3 to 6 months mm-hmm. on a, on a new job like that. Yeah. And then so then I would go on. And I had but I had thought about what do I want to do with my life? And I'd never found mm. anything that that was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. Yeah. Real estate I checked into. I mean, I was interested in everything. And okay. It's like, yeah, but I don't want to do any of this forever.
3: Are you a Gemini by any chance?
2: No, I'm a Taurus. Taurus. Oh. But I I think I'm more of a Leo. I'm a, I'm a closet Leo because I think the, the day you're conceived yeah. is really when your existence begins. That would have been Leo for me. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. You know, not the time when you're born because you born, already yeah. had an existence yeah. before that. Anyway, so when, when I found out that we could help so many people, that was the, that was the breakthrough for me. I got so inspired. Mm. Oh, my God. I finally found something worth doing. And yeah. then, and then I was unstoppable because it was like mission from God. <laughs> you know <how> the Blues <laughs> Brothers used to say? It was kind of like that, right? Yeah, yeah, oh my God. Yeah. And it was like, we were so inspired. We worked our butts off, you know, we yeah. worked all day, drove all night and <clears throat> sometimes talked to two people, sometimes talked to 1500 people, didn't yeah. care. It was just like, tell the story. And, <laughs> and it was never about money. Yeah. It was never about money.
3: That is so because, inspiring that you yeah, shared. But that. before, yeah, but yeah. before mm.
2: that happened, I had started to do my practice. So I had okay. begun to settle down. Okay. And that's why and because it. I had settled down, but you know, when you're not, when you're discontent, yeah. you know, this is for me. When I was discontent before I learned how to tap into the contentment that's inside of me,
4: mm-hmm. when
2: I was discontent, everything I did had an element to it of what am I going to get out of this? What I, you know, what do I need to do that'll take care of me? Cause I didn't feel taken care of
4: mm-hmm.
2: when I started doing the practice, I started feeling taken care of. And then okay. I would say, then I would say, Oh, I'm taken care of. It's not about me anymore. And in yeah. fact, if I don't feel taken care of, I know where to go to feel taken care of because I had discovered it inside it's there. Mm. It's always there. So, mm. so then my whole thing changed. Then it was like, okay, well, if it's not about me anymore, Mm. then where can I help?
4: Mm -hmm.
2: Right? Mm -hmm. Because if if you're trying to help, but you're helping to try and get yourself taken care of, it's not clean. It's not clean. Right? That's true. So now it's like, okay, where can I help? Mm. Okay? And then the other thing was what needs to be done. And when you're coming from contentment, you can take on bigger projects because you're not taking them on because they'll take care of you. You take them on because they need to be taken on. Very that different. is and then the third thing oh. was how can i make the biggest splash for good mm-hmm. on my, on the planet
3: mm-hmm. in
2: one body with the time i have here
3: yeah that that is a lot of wisdom that you that you shared here and i'm sure that listeners who are listening to this right now are very hopeful and very inspired because sometimes when you're on this journey, maybe of entrepreneurship or of life, mm-hmm. and if you don't have your life figured out by 26 mm-hmm. or 28 and 29 or 30, you begin to feel worried. You begin to feel anxiety because you feel like you have to have this purpose. And it's really clear in terms of what you're going to do and the impact that you're going to make. And you've yeah, but, sort of given a little bit of encouragement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You but, don't have to have it. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: no. But the anxiety doesn't come from the anxiety, it doesn't come from because you haven't found your purpose. The anxiety yeah. comes from because you haven't done your homework.
3: You've done, not, not done your homework.
2: Right. You haven't done the homework because, the, because mm. when you do the homework, the anxiety disappears even if you're unemployed. Yeah. Because you're whole in your nature, mm. independent of your circumstances. You know the power in that? You know the, the 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 the, and then and then the thing was, um, um. The purpose was there, and you were asking, how did you get from shy to that? It was the it was the, it was the inspiration, <laughs> that I felt, from recognizing the purpose. It dragged me through all my stuff, like when I did my first talk. You know, I used to be the kind of guy. Of, had to do a talk in school in front of the class yeah i would find a reason not to go to school right i could not handle talking to more than two eyeballs at the same time that's how shy Mm -hmm. i was yeah couldn't you know because you can't control everybody's everybody's thinking something different everybody wants something different how do you how do you deal with that i was like and that was like it was like intense for me
4: Mm -hmm.
2: and and so the guy told me, would you like to do a talk after I'd written my book it was called, called Fats and Oils that came out in 86. Yeah. That was the first version of Fats that Heal Fats that Kill. That was the big one. And uh, and because it was four months away, I said, yeah, I guess so. And then when it came closer and closer to the date, I said, oh, man, I should have said no. Oh, man, I should have said, oh, I'm not going to go oh, I'm just going to not say anything. I'm just going to say, and you know, of course, that doesn't sit right when you do that. You make a promise and then, you know, you, yeah. <laughs> you're going to renege on the promise. It doesn't yeah. feel good inside either, right? Yeah. And so I went to the guy and I said, listen, the, he was my publisher, right? He, and I said to him, listen, Siegfried, I, I uh, you know, I'm really nervous about, about uh, giving the talk that I promised I would do. And I kind of don't want to do it because I'm, I'm so nervous. Mm. And so he said to me, well, you know, he said, think of it this way. You've spent five years or six years researching this book. You know more than 99% of the people who are going to show up. Yeah. And if there's 1% of the people who know more than you do, just listen to them and learn. Just listen, mm-hmm. just listen and learn. Mm-hmm. And that was enough to get me over not going. Right? Mm-hmm. And the second thing that happened is I had a psychology professor who said one day, you know, he said, when you and people talk about, you know, public speaking, people are more afraid of public speaking than they are of dying. Mm. Right. And he said, you know, when you're focused on yourself, how you look and how you're going to come across and and all of that kind of stuff, it's all just like me, 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 me. Mm -hmm. You get nervous because there's always going to be somebody prettier and somebody more beautiful and somebody smarter than you are, right? And so you're going to be, because it's about you and your image, you're going to be nervous. Yeah. But if you go and your focus is, I'm here to do what I can to help other people, to serve other people with whatever talent I've got, then that nervousness goes away. So I, I decided to try it. I sat down in a room in an easy chair. Mm -hmm. There was nobody in the room. And I imagined an audience there. And I thought about how it would look. And I could literally flood myself with adrenaline. Mm -hmm. And then I would stop, take a breath and say, and then think about room full of people. And I'm here. tell them what i know to help them in whatever way i can and the nervousness would completely go away and i went back and forth back and forth back and forth nobody in the room right
3: you got yourself used to i I in front of the audience
2: i just noticed that my prof was right it really was when i was about myself i was nervous and when Mm -hmm. i was about helping them i wasn't nervous so then i went into my first talk and i was still nervous my mouth was really dry At the moment I got two sentences into delivering the knowledge that I had Mm -hmm. because they came because they wanted to hear what I had to say because I had a book, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, that doesn't mean anything if you're nervous, right? (laughs) But from their perspective, you know, they didn't come there to criticize me. They came to learn. Yeah. And within within two sentences that I was into it, my mouth wasn't dry. It was just flowing and I was just talking. And it was the – it was the – It was the beauty of the inspiration and the power of the inspiration
4: Mm.
2: of having found something worth doing, purposeful, that dragged me through all my shyness and all of that stuff. And now when I know what I'm talking about, I can get up on stage. I don't even get butterflies Mm. because I'm so used to delivering what I can, you know, whether it's good or bad, you know, I'm delivering the best I can. Mm -hmm you know, to whoever is listening, just like I am doing right now.
4: Right.
2: Mm-hmm. And so, so now I, after, but I've done more than 5,000 talks and I've done more than 3,000 interviews and I do yep. podcasts. You're probably my 350th podcast. Yeah. Right. So I do this quite a bit and you get better at doing things as you do, them. you know, so, mm-hmm. you know, so literally, even if you're mediocre and I'm mm-hmm. not special, I'm, I'm reasonably smart, but I'm not special in terms of I'm a human being with all the same issues that every human being has, Mm -hmm. you know, but I've done it so many times that, that, that fear that I had going in, is like behind me. Now it's not in front of me. It's behind me.
3: The fear (laughs) is behind
2: me. The fear is not in front of me. And I'm just here to serve in the best way I can the most, to the most people I can in the time that I have. And this time I'm 79 now. You know, and and I feel like I'm just getting started. Yeah. And it's it's totally awesome what I get to do. Yeah, and then and then the the question about how I got from oils to yeah. the big picture. Mm-hmm. Well, it's good to give good information. I used to run into people who I had given them really good information. They some of them knew more than I did because they went to every expert that that came to town. Okay, copious notes, had books at home. And they weren't getting better. Mm. And when you started checking into it, then the question became, well, why is it that we don't do everything we know to do? Mm -hmm. And it's true for me, too. It's true for anybody, right? I know more than I put in practice. Mm -hmm. I put a lot in practice, but I still know more, and I haven't put everything in practice. And why is it? And what I started to understand is that inspiration, is what frees your energy to make changes. Because change is hard. You know, we have habits. Mm We run those tracks, mental tracks of habits and and ways of thinking. We've run them so many times that whenever there's a trigger for it, boom, we're right down that track and we don't even see that we have other options. Mm -hmm. But when you get inspired, that frees your energy and it lifts you out of those ruts. And then you feel so good that you say, well, you know what? I'm not supposed to fry and that's better for my life. I feel so good. I want to be here as long as I can. I'm just going to stop frying. And once you've done it once, it's not that hard to do it the second time and the third time and the fourth time and then make that your rut, no frying foods, right? So so I realized inspiration is actually nutrient one. You want to give accurate information. Because if you lie to people, you take away their choice, and it's a form of dis- dictatorship. When you, when you can inspire people and give them accurate information, then a much larger percentage of the people, well, if the, the inspired people, I yeah, mean maybe, maybe you don't inspire everybody, right? But the people who get inspired start to make changes. And then if the changes they make get them noticeable results, then it becomes relatively easy to make the changes and maintain the progress, right? So then I was like, okay, well, inspiration is is nutrient one, and then the next thing was, well, what else? What else affects health? What is the biggest next biggest problem with health? Digestion, because either you've got diarrhea or you got constipation or you got bloating or you got pain or you got burps or you got farts or you got. You know, there's always something going on because there's so much going through there. It's the hardest working system in the body. It's so hard working that it turns over every four days, like the inside of your digestive tract. And so I thought I'd get into that. And then I started looking at how was it in nature before we got so civilized? Oh, the foods were raw. There were enzymes in them. The foods were raw. There were probiotics on them. When we cook them, we destroy the enzymes and we kill the probiotics but the body was made for raw food and 60% of the digestion can come from the enzymes in the raw food. And when you destroy the enzymes, you put a load on your digestive system. That's more than twice as high as what it's made for. Then that catches up with you. Then the immune system gets involved. And if that doesn't work, then you start getting food sensitivity and undigested proteins absorbed and and then those can turn into autoimmunes and your immune system becomes weaker and can't go after viruses, funguses and bacteria as well. So, you know, it's like, so, okay, so we're, if you're going to cook the food, then you should at least replace the probiotics that were killed and the enzymes that were destroyed. So, so we got into that. And then the third one is the probiotics need fiber and fiber is also good for escorting toxins and, and stabilizing blood sugar. So fiber was number three. And so I started working with those three. Never got to to uh, bitters because bitters are also very good good for digestion and liver func- function. So I got into that, and then I started look. Then I got into greens because greens are the foundation of all foods. You know, either you eat either you eat greens or you eat animals who ate greens. Right, yeah. the steak is made out of grass. Right, yeah. So so I started doing that. And then we started working with, uh, herbs and I made an herbal blend. And, uh, then I started working also started working with animals, uh, because they are, got the same problems that we have. The food is cooked and processed and everything. So we made some, uh, dog, cat, horse and pocket pet problems, uh, pro- uh products. Yeah. To solve that problem. And then I got, then some things happened in in business that gave me some time out. And I had thought when I, in my early forties, I had told my mother, I, she, she wanted me to move her dahlia bulbs and uh, I didn't want to move them. I said to her, mom, I don't see it as my, as my, uh, as my mission, as my purpose to move your dahlia bulbs. And I thought she was gonna be angry, but mm. she wasn't. She said, so what do you see as your purpose? And it just came out of me. I'm gonna make sense of fats and health, I'm gonna turn health into a teachable field, and I'm gonna turn human nature into a teachable field. Because the only problem on this planet is us, and our problem, uh, I cl- it's clearer to me now than it was then, but our problem is that we're disconnected from ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so the, I need to be involved in creating health as a teachable field because we are good at disease management, but we don't do healthcare,
4: mm-hmm.
2: other than hygiene, right? And, yeah. and we know more about our watch, our, our, our stupid little watches mm-hmm. than we know about how, how human nature, how, how we work, mm-hmm. right? And so I thought, you know what? Of all the problems on the planet, those two are probably the biggest ones that I can make a difference in. And, uh, and so that's how the, the book of Total Sexy Health is an overview of how human nature works. And the goal is to be fully present in all of your being and your surroundings at the same time, to live consciously, in other words, <clears throat> and not to be lost in thoughts in your head. And when you can live like that, everything becomes a lot easier because you're actually present. You're actually bringing all of your resources to every situation. And so you can, you you have a wide range. You can't just talk about things. You can actually do things too. And you know, you can help in so many different ways if you're fully present in all of your nature because you share that with most people. And when people are off, you know what on means. You can do something or say something or help in some way to help them get on. And why sexy? The sexy is the power word people use sexy to sell everything. I thought it would be a good idea to use sexy to sell people on their own. Awesome. Magnificence. And I get to do that. And the idea is that each of the eight parts confers part of our sexy to us. When we get out of line with it, the part it confers to sexy goes away. And when we get back in line, that part of sexy comes back. And there is nothing sexier than a human being living fully present in all of their being and their surroundings because they're actually there and you don't run into weird stuff so that's how that came about
3: (laughs) thank you so much uh udo for sharing all that you've shared so far your story uh how you started your company and the importance of getting closer to nature and not assuming that we are at the center of nature and the most important being, but actually part of this wonderful vast network of life. Action Tribe, I hope you enjoyed this episode and now you have more clarity about what health is and the steps that you can take today to experience a healthy state of being within. And of course, we could not touch on each and every topic, but I'll link to Udo's book in the show notes so that you can grab your own copy and realize that uh, nothing happens overnight and not to get too attached to the external signs of progress, because that might dishearten you when you start to make change in your life, you might lose hope instead, take small steps every day. And most importantly, yep. go with within to begin the experience to, silence your mind and to experience the stillness within because if you remain detached of the external results and instead enjoy the process of becoming healthier, then I'm sure you're going to enjoy the journey because just as it is stated in the Bhagavad Gita, perform all your actions with mind concentrated on the divine, renouncing attachment and looking upon success and failure with an equal eye. Spirituality implies equanimity.
2: Can I say one more thing? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, one of the things, and this is like a departure for me from the Bhagavad Gita. I like that you know, you have the right to action, but the fruit of action belongs to me. So, don't be attached to results. Yeah. But what I've found consistently in different ways is set a high standard. Mm-hmm. Okay. Whether that's about the experience you have, that it's the same as the master's experience, or you want to love somebody unconditionally set a really high standard mm-hmm. because when what I found is when I set that high standard, the first thing that happens is I notice wherever I fall short of it.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And when I noticed, so I one of them was, you know, I want to love one woman unconditionally in my life because I've never done it. Yeah. So I picked the woman. I never told her because I didn't, I didn't want her to take advantage of my vulnerability. Right. Yeah. But I started treating her that way. And every the moment that I set that standard, I started seeing every time I had expectations. Mm-hmm. And every time I had expectations, I could look at what, okay, well, I said I was not going to have expectations. I was just going to love her unconditionally. You know, I was not going to expect anything back from what I gave. And mm-hmm. I would give what I could. And if she gave something to me, then it would be a gift independent of what I gave to her. Yeah. Right? So... Uh, so the first thing I saw is whenever I had expectations oh and then i I'd have whatever the emotion was that came out of that expectation so I got to look at it if I hadn't set the standard
4: mm-hmm.
2: I wouldn't not, not seen that yep because if you're just drifting in your life because you haven't set goals then then you don't notice that you're that you're know that you're that you where you are on that journey and so every time i i noticed I had an expectation and an emotion around it, then I would look at that and look at where it came from and then literally disconnect it and say, or create in my mind what it would look like not to have an expectation in that situation and then start to practice that. Mm
4: -hmm.
2: And uh, unbelievably, unbelievable, the learning that came out of that. So always set high standards, Mm -hmm. always set high standards, as high as you can. You know what? Be one with God. That's a good standard. And then and then and then take the steps. And every time you crash and burn, recognize what in you, and usually in your mind or in your emotions, what in you interfered with you living the godlike life. Because every human being has that in them. And we all perform at such much lower levels because we're actually discouraged from doing that so i'm saying you know set that high standard in spite of what all your friends tell you and in spite of what your culture tells you and in spite of what is the norm in 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 the place where you live you know set yeah. that set that high standard because you were put on this earth with the highest standards built in And then we lost our connection to him as we drifted out. When you go back in, you discover it, it always requires some kind of a stillness practice. You will discover more and more of the divine magnificence that has always been in your life. That no matter what your history is, no matter what your story is, no matter what your past is, no matter what kind of crazy stuff you've thought and said and done, you know, This has never been affected by anything anywhere done by anyone, including yourself. There has never from this perspective, there has never, ever been anything wrong with you, with anybody, whether you're in jail or you're in a mental hospital or you're you're the head of a nation or you're you're a you know, you're the CEO of a company or you're the lowest of the low in the company that Magnificence is built into every human being. Both ra- both genders, all races, all everything, right? All countries, all geographies, all nations, all religions, you know. But this is not any of those things. This is beyond that. This is your raw personal being that is absolutely one with your creator and with the whole universe. And to experience that is... Oh, yeah, we live in heaven on earth. Ah, just forgot for a minute.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, based on what you've shared today, what you've uh, explained today, what is it one book that you'd like to recommend for our listeners? Oh, God, the book.
2: <sighs> My first one that got me interested in spiritual was The Prophet. Khalil Gibran's prophet. and uh, But, you know, it's not the book as much. I mean, there are lots of good books. I've read probably 4,500 books. I don't know how many. Mm-hmm. There are lots. There's uh, if you're spiritually minded, I think, or science and spirituality minded. It's always it's a nice combination. If you uh, they're not at odds, they just have different they play different parts Uh What's his name? I have to look up his name here. Uh, uh, that, that, uh, Joe Dispenza.
3: Joseph, okay.
2: Joe Dispenza. Yeah, some of the things he does are very cool. But some of the Buddhist uh, Vipassana has some mm-hmm. good books. Uh, the red letter edition of the New Testament is, is has some very cool wisdom. Even says there, you know, what you've done to one of the least of these, you have done that you have done to me. That means I'm in everybody. <laughs> I mean he said it he said it out loud right Yeah. it's not like he's perfect and you're really screwed up you know he never said that none of the masters ever said that. what I can do you you can do and you can do even more than I you know so uh, so uh, I, I like the scriptures I like the ones particularly that are about the masters because they modeled and there's so many different ways that it's, it's expressed it's really quite instructive and then the rest of the time do things try things Mm -hmm. you know think for yourself you know don't 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 try to become adapted to a culture that is self-destructing you know and they all are because we're living on on a planet that we are self well we're we're destructing the planet whether it's Mm -hmm. politics we're talking about or or um um Uh, The natural system we're talking about, or religions we're talking about, or health we're talking about, you know, we have a lot of self-destructive things going on, and what we need to do is find the place from which everything works, and that's always a place inside, in the heart, in life energy, in awareness.
3: Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for that book recommendation, Action Tribe. If you want to get this book and you want to start listening to this book, you want to start reading this book, um, then know that as a listener of our show, you get a Audible credit because Audible is an amazing company and they've got a plethora, they've got a library of, hundreds of thousands of books that you can download on your phone. And as a listener, you get a free credit. So if you want to download The Prophet by Khalil Gibran, go to my 7 forward slash free book, my 7 forward slash free book. You get one credit and you get to support us uh, by choosing this link to get your free book on Audible. So uh, Udo, thank you so much yeah. for coming on our show. It's so wonderful yeah. to connect with you and know that you are based in Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, in the same go city. Go for sure, absolutely.
2: I get a matcha turmeric, yeah. I love latte I love made with almond milk.
3: Oh, where do, where do you go? Uh, uh, it's uh, on Granville Island. Grandville.
2: I'll
3: take you there if you uh let me know 100%, 100%. Okay, and uh, before you go, tell us one thing that you're grateful for, and how can all of our listeners find out more about you?
2: What am I grateful for? Yeah, you, uh, you got a week.
3: <laughs> yes yes <laughs> what am i
2: not grateful for i honestly i'm grateful for the war i was born in. Mm. can you imagine i might be grateful for a few other things too i'm grateful mm. for the pesticide poisoning that rubbed my nose in self-responsible health care i'm i'm grateful for the marriage that broke up because it it really focused me that's again you have a standard and you, and you blow the standard all that's telling you is something is something needs to be learned here and those mm-hmm. are almost, they're almost self-made lessons. But mm-hmm. in, honestly, what what are you talking about? I'm breath, body, you know, nature, sunshine, water, you yep. know, it's like a bed, you know, socks, you know. Yeah. Honestly, is there's there isn't much that I'm not grateful for. Even how stupid people are in terms of the way they make bad foods, mm-hmm. because it gives me a chance to shine. You know, even that, I mean, everything that's going on, you know, the, the people who are talking about war and all the crazy things they're doing, you know what, they give you a chance to shine. You can yeah. do, you, you, so instead of saying, oh God, I'm a victim of that. No, 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 no. This should be, this, this is an, an invitation to create something that is more effective and that is more beautiful and it is more human and is more kind and more loving and more peaceful then what's, what's happening from uh, 200,000 years of, of hu- the human race drifting and drifting and drifting and not paying attention and not setting standards. Mm-hmm. You know?
3: And how can our listeners uh, get to know about you?
2: How can they get to... Oh, okay. Uh, the, the products I talked about are on udoschoice.com U-D-O-S-choice.com mm-hmm. uh, I have some courses and some educational material on udoerasmus.com or the udo t-h-e-u-d-o.com and i'm on facebook and i'm on instagram and i have a youtube channel and i'm not hard to find i i do quite a bit of we do quite a bit of posting and and uh, you know this is part of making a difference you know making the big splash for good and you know for all the lockdown never slowed down the internet so yeah yeah,
4: yeah
2: yeah. and i try and i try to not to make judgments Just yes, you know i am come not to judge but to love and uh, to find that place in ourselves that's super good that's honestly best advice i ever got i am come not to judge but to love and take it personally take it personally you are not come to judge but to love that's, the, try. that's a standard again right what when you then you find yourself judging oh No, I guess I need to change that. So again, it's it's always about high standards, but high standards that, and they're all accessible. They're all attainable for every human
3: being. So Action Tribe, if you are on your phone or if you're watching this on YouTube, whichever platform you're on, take a screenshot of this episode and make sure you tag both of us on Instagram, Instagram, you can find Udo on Instagram as well and at My7Chakras, but take a screenshot, tag us so that we can share this with our community. And all of you know, my website is My7Chakras.com. If you have any feedback, observation, comments, or if you'd like to connect for any reason, because you like the show, then reach out to me at AJ at my 7 AJ and My7Chakras.com. And let us connect and go to you know, another step in our relationship. So Udo, thank you so much for joining me on today's show, talking to us about all these amazing uh, topics that will help us get closer to that peak state of health and wellness and taking us one step closer to a human revolution. Yeah, just remember, just remember, you're the amplifier. I have
2: a message, but you're the amplifier. Without Without you as the amplifier, I'd be talking to myself in the bathroom mirror Thank you you know, so, so it's very important what you do. I don't know how many people follow you and how it gets around, but it's super important to, to amplify good messages. Wonderful. You know, because disc- discontent people amplify discontent messages.
4: <laughs>
2: content people have to amplify content messages faster than discontent people amplify discontent
3: yes yes
2: absolutely otherwise you know i otherwise guess where we're headed so <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's time to step up
3: time to step up yeah
2: thank you for listening to my seven chakras at my is my s-e-v-e-n
0: chakras.com